Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Hanging in there. How about you? Few more days of 2020. <laughs> Thank God. And then we'll be able to say finally hindsight is 2020 or 2020 is in hindsight. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yes. Yeah. Although <laughs> I keep trying to temper my expectations of like 2021 being magically different immediately. I mean, I think we have a lot of really positive things on the horizon. So I'm hoping that when we do this, when we have this conversation in a year from now, we have a lot of really wonderful things to talk about. So, um, but again, kind of tempering my, you know, like one of my kids said, well, when the ball drops, it's not all going to magically disappear. Like, you know, everything that happens is not going to magically disappear. And I said, that's true, but hopefully we have a lot to look forward to in 2021. Amen. And there will be words in our vocabulary that hopefully won't, we won't say as much in 2021. Like I'm, I'm so tired of certain words and it's, it's no one's fault. It's just, we have like, how tired are you? Unprecedented. Yes. Okay. Virtual. If I get another email with the word virtual, as if it's good news, it's not. <laughs> I agree. Well, I don't know. I would say some things virtual have worked out really well. I really do think, um, example, virtual parent teacher conferences for my kids' school, it was great. There was no running around the school from one appointment to the next. You logged onto the Zoom with the teacher, had a nice quiet conversation, logged onto the next one. It was efficient for the teachers, it was efficient for the parents. So I would like to see some virtual things continue. I think it was, I think there has have been some efficiencies that we've realized that we don't have to um, don't have to do things in person. I mean, I even like. Um, and this isn't virtual, but I even like like curbside pickup or, you know, there are some things I do hope continue, but yes, a lot of the words, I hope um, social distance, like I don't, I'm so over social distance, uh, you know, that's masking or, you know, all of those, like that, those I'm done with. Yeah. And the word social distance, like if I could re rewrite the word or the phrase, it should be physical distance, physical, yes. Good because point. We should be socially closer because you have to make more of an effort to see people and connect with people because you have to be physically distant. Socially yeah. distant, it just has such a negative connotation. It always has. Remember yeah, when we no, first, right. I'm getting a little out of order, but like, do you remember when we first were trying to nav navigate? That's another word, navigate. Remember when we were first trying to navigate? Pivot. Like, pivot. Oh, pivot. 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 I've pivoted so much, I'm dizzy. <laughs> I'm not pivot anymore. <laughs> pivot. That's such a good one. Um, okay, so remember when we had to pivot and we had to explain to each other and our runners in our community how to run and socially distance, and we were creating this infographic to try and explain it. And I mean, we understood it, of course, six feet apart, but I just kept thinking, even back then, this sounds so negative. It should be stay six feet apart, but remain connected. Yeah. And I, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I just couldn't then sort of see how that that phrase socially distance it it has such a negative connotation. Um, but of course, it's what we need to do and continue to do to move forward. Um, yeah, so. We wanted to today um, for our listeners, we decided we wanted to take this episode. We're at the end of 2020, last few days, and we wanted to simply uh, recap the year, you know, kind of like like what uh, 
Lester Holt would do on NBC Nightly News, recap the year, or, uh, you know, Anderson and Andy, but they're funny, and just kind of talk about um, this really crazy year we've had. I feel like it's been such a well, in some ways, such a long year, in some ways, such a short year, but it's when I sit here and think about a year ago, when we first started talking about doing this podcast and I thought, okay, let's think back to January. And it was almost like a different life. Like, um, for me, especially both personally and, um, you know, and, and more broadly, more, you know, our, our larger issues. I mean, it's like almost like I wish I could have written myself a, a letter to give me a heads up of like what what was going to happen this year because this this year has been so um, it, it it just feels like a lifetime ago to think back to a year ago and where we really had no clue what lied ahead. So um, yeah, so when we first started talking about this, I just thought we've gone through so many different um, phases of this year and emotions and issues and topics and. Um, stressors that it's this year more than any other year. It's so interesting to look back. And again, I wish I had, I could write a letter to myself from a year ago and just be like, buckle up. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. And while you're at it, buy stock in Peloton and zoom and stock (laughs) up, stock up on toilet paper and paper towels and hand sanitizer. Would have liked to know that. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we just dive right in and we'll start Lisa, you go first, January, 2020. What did that look like for you? Wow. So a year ago, uh, yeah, a year ago right now, I I was in Israel with, with my family and, um, and actually had the wonderful privilege of meeting one of our runners, Michal in Israel. And that was such a, that was really something that just um, was special to me and sticks out in my mind as a memory um, of that trip. Um, but I was also getting ready for a marathon. I, I ran the Tiberius marathon there with no clue in my mind that that would end up being, you know, ostensibly my, possibly my last qualifying marathon or my last, one of my last races to run. And, um, you know, it was interesting when we were in Israel, I do remember vaguely remembering hearing um, news and stories about uh, the coronavirus in, in China and kind of thinking in my head, like, you know, travel and traveling internationally, but definitely not even registering anywhere in terms of like it being something beyond beyond China or affecting us in any way. Um, so yeah, so that was, you know, and, and that was such a really, I love the opportunity to run a marathon in, in Israel. It was, it was a really neat experience. It was a beautiful race. And, and like I said, it ended up being um, until much later this year, but ended up really being the last chance, one of the last chances that I was going to have to run a big race. And I think back to the start line and all of the people and, you know, all of the crowds and all huddled together in, a, in corrals. And it seems, seems a little surreal to me. So, so that, that do was, you, you know, that's what I think about. Do you remember you almost didn't run it? Do you remember what happened? Well, this is really interesting because I always think back on this and wonder, gosh, you know, what, what was that? But I got really sick, um, you know, or like maybe we were in Israel, I think for three weeks or maybe a little more than three weeks and about halfway through, maybe even a little more than halfway through about a week before the marathon, I, I got so sick. Like I couldn't even get out of bed. I had the chills. I, I didn't have a cough or anything like that, but I, I really, and I knock on wood, don't ever get sick. And I was just convinced I had the flu. Um, and I, you know, I gutted through the the travel, some of the travel and kind of 
just laid low and slept in the room for a couple of times when there were other things going on. And I think like the day before the race, I wasn't even sure I couldn't even imagine trying to run a marathon. And I told myself, well, let me see when I wake up how I feel. And I woke up that morning and felt to normal. And I was like a little shocked and kind of apprehensive thought like, all right, well, let's start and see how I feel. And felt great. And I had a great race. So, um, you know, I always look back on that and, you know, I had thought at some point was that COVID was that, you know, I'd never been, I had never had that kind of sickness before. I'd never felt that way other than, I mean, I don't think I've really not gone what had the flu before. And that's kind of what I imagined the flu feeling like. So it was just an odd, um, sickness for me. And, but then I ran a marathon, so I don't really think it probably could have been COVID because I don't, I just don't think that would have happened, but, um, and I've never had an antibody test, but look, we were traveling, we had been flying in airplanes and staying in hotels and around lots of people traveling on a bus all the time. And who knows what I picked up, but yes, I really was planning that morning. If I did not feel well to just scrap it and, and watch from the sidelines, but ended up feeling good and taking a chance. And, and after that was totally fine. So who knows what it was. I still think it was a flu, but yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that and connecting that. I mean, who knows, but I'm so glad you did get to run it. You got to meet our amazing client, Michal, and, um, you also got to see BD. Yes. Yes. You're right. I did. I almost forgot, but yes, that was an awesome, that was, that was such a great, yeah. I can't believe I forgot that. This is how long it's been. Um, but yeah, I can still remember seeing her coming back when I was going out on part of the out and back of the race and seeing the joy that she was running with. And it, it gave me a boost and lifted me up and just reminded me that we should always take joy in, in being able to be out there and doing what we're doing, even if it's a marathon and we've got so many miles ahead of us and it feels hard we're out there. And, and really now looking back at that and that um, perception of joy and appreciation. Now I get, you know, of course, now we're all going to have that. I think next time we get to go out and run a race is that, that, that feeling that she exuded that, that like literally like flying through the air because you're just so happy to be out there. And, and I hope we all have that when we get back out, but yeah, that was, that was such a great, a great experience. So um, I look back at those pictures from the finish line that, that the race had taken and that I have somewhere on my computer and I smile because it was such a, such a great, it was perfect weather. It was such a great experience. So I'm hanging on to that. That's what I want to hold on to for all of 2020. So what about you? What were you doing last January? Do you remember? I have no recollection. So it must've been a pretty uneventful month. I was probably living a little vicariously through you because I was so excited that you got to, uh, I love Israel and uh, I'd been a few times previously and I, I remember I was so excited that you were there and, and that Tiberius marathon was a marathon setup that I had personally yeah. seen the past uh, few times I was there because the timing of my trips were both in December. So I thought it was so cool and symbolic that again, we shared something, you know, in a very tenuous way that um, you ran the only race course that I actually saw in person while at Israel, both times in Tiberias. So um, yeah, that was great. I don't really remember much about January for me other than I will just say from the outset that January always, uh, I think for many of us is a stressful and sort of depressing month because, you know, it's dark days, it's winter, but it's also, you feel some, a little bit of this, okay, it's a new year and I have a lot of goals and all of a sudden, all of the busyness of balancing work and parenting and all of the shuttling and all the things that come with it after a relaxing holiday season come back in January. And I guarantee last January, 
I probably said to myself at some point, gosh, I really wish that things would slow down a little bit because my, my son is already last January, you know, my son is already a sophomore. I've only got a couple more years with him. And sometimes I just feel like all we are, are ships passing in the night. Everyone's so busy. And I, I just feel like sometimes I don't connect enough with my family because everybody's going in different directions. Boy, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> well, I think we were all like that. I mean, so many times we've always said like, wouldn't it be nice for the world to just stop so we could like yeah. get off for a little bit and somebody up there was like, okay, you want to see what that's like? We'll stop. Like snorting for so yeah, I know. I agree. And I have to say to some extent, um, you know, I remember coming back from Israel and that feeling exactly like you described of, all right, I've got now, I always have a really big work project in January and I'm always like, all right, now I got to get back and buckle down and it's going to be a big project for several months. And, um, and, and getting back to school after a great trip like that. And just that feeling of like, oh, here we go back into the grind. Um, not, not knowing what was coming up, but I remember you, you did, well, you, th- that was skipping ahead a little bit to March. Um, but you did, you did your last race in March, right? That was, I did. So I had one actually before March, I was in Miami, right? In Miami, right. And I, I went to Miami with my sister, um, my sister, Jen and I never ever take the time to travel together. It was really special. Thank God um, we made those plans. We committed to it at my daughter's, both of our kids, um, bar bat mitzvahs were the previous November and seeing my sisters there, I I just miss them terribly. They both live in Chicago. And my one sister said, I really want to go somewhere with you. I said, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to run the Miami half. Why don't you come and we'll stay in a hotel room together and I'll go run the race and you sleep in and save me a lounge chair. So, um, that was a great weekend. And I do remember that weekend though, um, not to bring it back to COVID, but interestingly, it was the weekend after the Super Bowl in Miami. And there were some rumblings about this flu situation, this um, COVID thing from this thing from China, because apparently there were some pockets or travel tracing, whatever, where some people um, were traveling into Miami from all different places because it was already being traced back um, on the West Coast um, in in Seattle and in some of the other cities. And I didn't really listen to the chatter like so many of us. I just wasn't paying attention to the severity of anything. And um, my sister Jen and I laughed that we were sort of in this epicenter the weekend after the Super Bowl, staying in the same hotel <laughs> where all these oh. people stayed and going yeah. on buses to the Miami uh, half marathon, one of the most international races, you know, in the world. Um, but, and I was so pleased to go also because I got to see, um, one of our runners in person, Jana, um, who is, um, a runner in Nebraska who we coached and she, uh, ran the race and, and she's just so, so much fun. It was really great to be able to meet up with a runner from Nebraska, um, and, and see her. So that was a treat for me. And I got to meet BD, the same BD at the Miami um, half marathon. She won it. And um, we talked about this briefly. I remember on this podcast episode, but just to recap, like a typical runner, BD uh, ran the race. It was very hot. She ran an incredible time, but it was not her PR. And when I met her, we hugged each other. It was so great to finally meet her in person. I said, Congratulations on your race. She said, Yeah. It was all right. I was a little disappointed. So even the best runners have that same, 
you know, it's just not quite good enough attitude. So um, like to your point earlier, I do feel like when we're all able to return to racing, perhaps there'll be less of that. There'll be more gratitude and less disappointment about trivial things like, you know, the minute, the second, and more about how I felt during my race and did I enjoy myself. So, but it was a real treat to meet her in Miami and really special. So yeah, that was February. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, in February I did my last local race, which was the RCA 10 miler, which is one of the races that I do every year. It's a, it's actually, I love it because it's a team race. It's not for individual placements or prizes. You are scored by your team. So I ran it with our Montgomery County Roadrunners club, um, racing team. And actually with the whole, the whole club is part of the, the scoring. And, um, and it was just, it, it's always, uh, it's always a, a crap shot for the weather. And if I remember correctly last year, the weather was actually okay. Um, and it was just, um, you know, I, I definitely look back and remember I kind of rushed out at the end to get back home for the kids. And, um, um, as you, as you probably remember, and, and a lot of our runners on our podcast know, um, January and February is when I, um, was first going through my divorce. So I was, had other things on my mind then, and was just wanting to get home to my kids and rushed out of there and didn't realize then that, that was going to be the last chance to race like a real normal race for a long time. So, you know, I look back at it and think, gosh, if I had known what I've stayed, probably not. I still want to get home to my kids, but definitely, um, was in a different mindset there that, you know, just like kind of distracted and not, not taking in the experience. Um, I think probably the last race that I'll remember is a true race experience in my mind was the one in January, but, um, but February was really the last time. And again, I don't, I don't remember any talk of, you know, stopping races then. Like, I think that came in March is when, you know, before the LA marathon, um, when we first started hearing about races, maybe not being able to take place because of this, this virus that had, you know, that was now spreading across the U S but, um, you know, I, that, that, that was the, that was the last time I, I, I did a race. You, you got one in, in March, um, before, before the LA marathon, right. It was early March. Yes. Yeah, so before we go into my race, because you opened the door, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm so, I'm so proud of you, Lisa. Um, January and February and this entire year was to use the word unprecedented challenge for you. And You've been just an amazing pillar of strength and grace, and I couldn't be prouder to call you my dear friend and business partner, and um, I think that your strength um, has always been there, and I've always known what a strong person you are physically and mentally, but watching you have to handle a divorce navigate, freaking hate that word, navigate, handle a divorce, and then surprisingly handle a pandemic and three great kids and all you've done to manage your household, create new traditions while still keeping the traditions you already had in place and making your home your own and doing all the things that anyone looking at you would say, that's exactly what you should be doing. And I just think if you ever had to write a book, you could, you could write one because what you did throughout this year to me is nothing short of phenomenal. And I don't get to tell you this enough. We are always rushed because we're both handling a lot of shit, you know, but 
I, I am telling you in this public forum because I know I'm not alone in telling you how proud I am of you, how proud I am to be your friend. And it's such an honor for me to be a part of your journey. And I, you're stronger for it. You continue to amaze me and your kids are amazing as a result of their champion mom, you and the role model you are to them. So props, huge, huge props to you. You didn't need this pandemic. I already would be praising you, but the fact that you get like a varsity letter in challenges this year, I mean, you've earned it and I, I didn't really on it, but thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm amazing. And, um, you know, I, I have to say, I was just telling somebody uh, actually, you didn't even know this before we got on, but I just got an email from one of our virtual clients from many, many years ago. I don't remember Jackie Lee, who has always just yeah. had a place in my heart and we stay in touch once in a while. We get in touch with each other and I think about her often. And then I tell myself in my mind, oh, check in with Jackie. And then of course, you know, the day goes by and I forget. And she wrote in a sweet email today just to check in and see how, how, how we were doing. And, and you know what I told her and, and I say that, as much as the pandemic was, you know, obviously clearly none of us wanted it. I think for me personally to have that time, that downtime and that time at home with my kids this year was actually invaluable. So, you know, it's like, you know, silver lining and, um, trying to look at, at that side of it. So having that, um, was actually, I think helped me. So, and you having you, you like, you've always been so supportive to me and such a sounding board and, um, a, mo- a role model to me. I always joke with you, but I really do. Like I needed bracelets as WWJD. What would Julie do? And I often ask myself, <laughs> I've always told you that. So, you know, so really a lot of, you know, you, you've been such a um, confidant for me and um, a voice of reason and, and a sounding board. And like I said, a lot of times in my head, when I don't know what to do and my head's spinning, I think WWJD, what would Julie do? So, <laughs> Yep, need a little bracelet. I think they make those already, but (laughs) (laughs) anyway, um, on to happier things, on to the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Years, and then in March. Anyway, we're in March, and uh, yeah, uh, I I I did a race. Great, and I remember at the race, at that point, it was. Sun, it was the Sunday before the schools closed. And I remember running into Dave um, from WSA 9, the cameraman who filmed our team Heart Love. And I remember standing and talking with him. And because I'm a hypochondriac, naturally, it was very easy for me to say, I'm going to stand a little further from you. Because at that point, there were already directives to, to, to try to avoid crowds. But we were in a cafeteria waiting for our awards. And I certainly didn't want to leave the race without my award. <laughs> so. So I COVID re- did award COVID award. award. Sorry, what's a little risk? It's okay. Exactly. So eked that race out, and then of course um, we um, had the opportunity that same weekend. We watched uh, the Olympic trials together, and that was really uh, again we didn't realize the magnitude of that race. We already were so psyched for it. We had a little party to watch it with uh, anyone. Who, wanted to come over. They, um, we all watched it together. It was so fun to see that exciting race and, uh, watch the top three women come through. And I will say though, remember how frustrated we were when Trump interrupted the race? Was it 
to talk about COVID. Was that why? I don't think so. I don't, we have to get, we, we took a picture actually. Remember we were all so angry because yes. we got, we put on the live stream on your phone so we could watch it, not on the network TV. That's a really good question, Julie. I would have to go back. I, you know, just really interesting to me to think now knowing, um, you know, what came out of Atlanta, because a lot of people got COVID at that event because of the, and it wasn't at the race, I don't think, outside. It was at the hotels where the receptions were happening and the pre-race dinners and the socializing and that sort of thing. But um, Matt Fitzgerald, who we really both um, admire, you know, and interviewed on our podcast a few months later said that's he got really sick after that. And that's where he contracted COVID. And we've heard several stories like that of people who were in Atlanta and went home and got sick after that. So little did we know as we were watching that, that that was really, you know, that was a, there was a, would say it's maybe not a super spreader event there, but that, that it was already spreading. Yeah. And I think it was in a few places because that same weekend, it was also spreading in Colorado. There was like a ski resort. And, and I remember that vividly because that weekend, my Darren, my husband was out of town skiing with his friends in that super spreader area, ground zero, where a couple of his friends he was with got it. And then there was also um, New York city and that's where my kids were. (laughs) were a camp reunion situation. So I was home alone that weekend for the first time and it was, my family was spread all over and little did I know that they were actually at their individual ground zero. And thank God none of them came home with anything. But I just looked back on that weekend, not, I mean, all of it just kind of came together. And ironically, one of our clients, Alexandra Melby, Eric Melby's daughter, lives in Seattle. And this is, there's like such cognitive dissonance. I'm coaching Alexand- Alexandra. She was supposed to run a big half marathon. The half marathon was canceled in Seattle, I believe, and because of COVID. But I still in my head was like, oh, it's there. Like not thinking that it would be across the nation, across the world, thinking it was sort of concentrated on the West Coast, their schools had already closed. It's such a disconnect. I look back at how foolish I was and not realizing how it would, you know, of course it would catch up to us. But in my head, I was like, oh, that sucks. She lives in Seattle and this is all happening. So yeah, I don't want to go on and on about this. We all know the story, but it's just putting it together and looking back. It's just kind of crazy how it all came crashing on us. So, you know, moving on to March, here we are. We learned the news that everything closes. We, we slowly but surely go from worrying about Boston. Do you remember this? We were so focused on will Boston be canceled to accepting that, of course, Boston will be canceled. Everything is canceled. And then trying to figure out how to not only encourage our runners to keep running, provide goals and structure for them, for ourselves, so that we can continue being a motivating force so that people can continue to improve. And that's kind of where we came up with this idea for ourselves in our community, which is goals aren't canceled. Running is not canceled. And so I feel like we should talk about that for a little bit because uh, we're kind of still in that place. And, And what are your thoughts about how our coaching this year has changed dramatically, but yet not at all. 
Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I think it's changed over, you know, it's evolved over time where the first in March, we were thinking, how do we get people through the next couple months and then shift to focusing on the fall without, you know, realizing that the fall wasn't was going to be canceled too. I remember we thought, okay, well, you know, Boston is now postponed. Well, we're going to go to Boston in September or even just our other runners that had races. We had so many runners that I just remember that had their marathons scheduled for March and April and May that were really on track to qualify for Boston. We have some runners who still have not had that opportunity yet to run a certified timed course where we knew they, they were going to be able to qualify for Boston or whatever there was. Maybe it was, you know, go under four hours or go under five hours, whatever it was. They were trained and ready you know, they were and had their races in March and April and, and the beginning of May. So they were trained and ready. And then it was, I mean, I still remember um, our runners in North Carolina were supposed to do back tobacco road marathon, which wasn't canceled until the last moment in May. And um, so we, I, I just remember us thinking like, this is temporary. We're going to shift it to the fall. We're going to draw back for a little bit, you know, give everybody a little recovery and then we'll ramp back up for the fall. And I think at that point we still, you know, it didn't seem like there was going to be nothing on the horizon. It was just a, a temporary lag. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting too. Um, I like to say we were virtual before virtual was cool because our our most of our coaching because we coach a lot of runners that aren't local here is virtual. We do it through an online platform, Final Surge, and so our communications, our coaching is all through email, phone. Now we use Zoom, but so we were already on that platform um, before before this, but we had to shift a lot of our local runners and had to think about our in-person programs, how what we were going to do with those, how we were going to handle those. Our, our group runs, you know, we loved our group runs from Lululemon. We were doing those. That's something we didn't talk about. But, you know, in January, February, even into March, I mean, we did our our 10 year anniversary. That's something we didn't talk about. We did that in February, right before all of this happened. And we got that in. And that was such a wonderful connection to us, for us, to the community. And that's something that we had to figure out. How do we stay connected to our community? Um, and like you said, how do we still provide value? And, and that was um, something that we worked on both on our side and then also realized that on the runner side, um, you know, we panicked a little at first thinking, oh no, if races are canceled, what will people, you know, why will people need running coaches? But in fact, we found that people needed running coaches more for a couple of reasons. First, they needed structure because now all of a sudden the races were off the calendar. They didn't have a target date. They didn't know what to do with their fitness. Do they keep running? Do they draw back? Do they, you know, they don't want to get injured. They want to capitalize on that fitness. So they were sort of without direction. So we could provide that. Um, and then we also had a lot of people starting running or picking up running again, because they couldn't get to gyms and they couldn't get to their classes that they might go to a studio class or, a, you know, one of the boutiques that they go to, or their, you know, wherever they might go indoors, normally we're, we're shut down or they didn't feel safe going. And we had a lot of people who, you know, I remember seeing in my neighborhood, people out running who I've never seen running before. And so we had a lot of people come to us and say, what am I doing? Like, I need some guidance here. I need some structure. So we found that, um, I, I think we found that there was actually almost more of a need for guidance and accountability and, and help from both experienced runners who had all this fitness built up and now no race. And what do they do with it? And from people who were just starting running or getting back into running because that's all they could do. Um, and do you remember too, this is, I mean, this is kind of an aside from the, the whole mask, the whole mask 
mascapade or the whole mask, uh, you know, debates and, and to wear a mask or to not wear a mask and, and all of the tension that was in the running community and between the running community and just the community in general of runners. I still remember reading on like next door, you know, neighborhood um, listservs of people so mad at the runners that were out there running. And, you know, do we, we, we recommended buffs. And then there was a study that said buffs weren't as effective. And there was a whole stress over Matt. And, and it's no joke because um, we felt it. And many of our runners felt the stress of going out to run and feeling um, anxiety over running into people, trying to run where they're not going to run into crowds of being yelled at because they didn't have a mask or they did have a mask. And there was so much, do you remember that? That was, I mean, it's still, I think lingers till now, but that was a really big issue back. And you remember we had a lot of debates and a lot of, Oh yeah. Um, I mean, discussions about masks. I remember vividly. I remember posting articles on our social media pages, just, you know, simple articles in runner's world, like best masks to wear just to help people. And these trolls would come on and be like, this masks are stupid. You shouldn't wear a mask. You could kill yourself if you wear a mask when you run. You can't then, breathe. Your oxygen yeah. saturation level is going to go down. <laughs> you people are stupid. It's just the flu. Um, so yeah, there was, we definitely attracted a lot of um, angry anti-mask people when we talked about wearing masks when running. And we kept reiterating, you don't have to wear a mask if you are able to remain distant from people. So don't feel like we're telling you, you must wear a mask if you're running alone and there aren't people around you. And it was like, everyone sort of lost their way a little bit trying to figure out the rules. And um, I, I think a lot of it, unfortunately, was the way that we're all new at this, but all of the governments, you know, from federal down to local, just everyone needed a good PR firm. And some government agencies had better PR than others, but it's all about communication. And from the outset, the communication seemed to fail to address that. No, you don't need to wear a mask if there aren't people around you. Right. <laughs> in the forest, no one's there to hear it. Like, right, yeah. yes. right, but outside, have one with you in case you run into people or if you're running and God forbid you fall and you get injured and somebody helps you, you want to have a mask handy so that they can help you. Um, and that's why we loved initially the buff because we felt like it was a great solution. And then this article, which was later proven false, said that buffs weren't effective, which they still are effective. Um, so yeah, I feel like everyone's kind of settled down with the mask thing. I think after not what, 10 months, everybody now understands that you should carry a mask with you and run with a buff or mask if you're unable to be socially distanced from others. I know for me, I feel like the um, anger at runners has completely dissipated. I don't feel that at all. And I also don't feel as much of an urgency to run at off times where back in April and May, I felt the, that I really needed to make sure I ran when other people weren't out as much to avoid upsetting my neighbors by running. Um, how about you? Yeah, no, I feel like, I feel like in general, General to not just the running community, but in general, I think we've all gotten comfortable with the idea of like outside if you're by yourself. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of transmission. And in even run, in even people who have been um, you know, running, not in groups, but you know, there have been races that have taken place, and that's something we can talk about too. But there have been races that have been taking place with safety precautions and spread out and time trial style. And so far that we know of, there have been no reports of a spread. 
during from from those races. Um, so I think people have gotten a little more comfortable with like, okay, if you're outside and you're running by somebody for a split second and there's space between you, like there's not a huge level of risk. That's not, we, we have more data now, we have more um, information. And I think that's just, uh, you know, something that's evolved over time is that we didn't know back when we're talking about in April and May, we didn't know, like, if you're running and you breathe out air and then somebody runs by the, through that air the next minute, like, are they going to, you know, if you had COVID, are they going to get it? We didn't know, we didn't have the evidence. And right now, I, I personally feel comfortable that when you're outside and you're by yourself and you just happen to run by somebody and you're spaced far apart from them, you run by them for a split second. Do I still wear a mask and do I still pull it up when I run by people? But that's more for, uh, to me, like a sign of respect of like, I'm not going to like disrespect you by running by you and breathing out heavily. Like I'm going to pull up my mask. So I, I will still do that, but I don't do it because I think if not, God forbid, I had COVID that I was going to give it to them by running by them six feet away or more than six feet away and breathing out when they run by. Like, I don't, I don't think that. And I, I wouldn't worry. I don't worry when somebody runs by me and they're not wearing a mask that they're going to give me something again, if it's like a split second of running by each other and we're on opposite sides of a street or opposite sides of a sidewalk even. Um, so I do feel like that has, that has calmed down um, to some level, but that's just because of data and information and more understanding. So yeah, the more you know, think back, like I just was thinking back to like, wow, do you remember those like heated debates we'd get in with people, um, about, about wearing masks when we ran? That was, that was, uh, that was interesting. Yeah, for sure. So then, you know, we started settling into the spring and summer months with the realization that, uh, there probably wouldn't be any fall races either. I think for a while, like you mentioned, we thought that these spring races would be canceled and rescheduled for fall. We really were super psyched to run Boston last fall. We got a hotel room. We thought it'd be super cool to be the only Boston marathon run in the fall. And what a cool thing to be able to, uh, you know, share later on that was our silver lining. Remember we were, yeah, yeah. I had a family bar mitzvah that I thought it was so cool that they were on the same weekend. Like it was the weekend of Boston. I thought, perfect. We'll be there and I'll be able to go to the bar mitzvah on Saturday. And then Monday will be the race. Like I thought it was great. It was you know, going to be convenient. That's right. That's right. And then we came to the realization. Um, I think it was around when we had Dave McGilvery on our podcast, the director of the Boston marathon. And we all, we realized that it, there was a no-go for Boston and frankly, any marathons in the fall. And um, that was tough. That was a tough pill to swallow because I know for so many of us, just sort of having that beacon down the, down the horizon, sort of knowing on the horizon, rather knowing that, okay, well, there are no races now, but by fall, we'll have some races and slowly realizing that and accepting that our reality for the next year pretty much would be no, no races, or if there are races, nothing like the races we know of. And frankly, that was kind of the least of our issues because we were also dealing with so much other cancellation, so much other disappointment for our kids. And um, I think it sort of in a way, it, everything was in perspective. Like I mentioned earlier, early in, on in this we were very hyper-focused on Boston and racing because that was the first concrete thing to really impact us. Um, at that point, we thought our kids would be out of school for a few weeks and until things got better. And we just didn't realize 
the permanency of this, um, at least for the year. So then I feel like you and I kind of thought about how to approach our coaching. And we both kind of came to the realization that races might be possible in the fall if they were in smaller areas and done safely. And I feel like we kind of hung on to that mid-summer. We both got more comfortable with the idea of recommending to our runners who are interested um, to give a race a try if they were available in their area or if they were willing and able to safely travel. And so um, we found this amazing Facebook group called Marathons and Other Races That Are Not Canceled, run by some guy out of Ohio. And uh, we found the Not Sob Marathon and we encouraged a few runners to sign up. And Lisa, you went, you went and signed up too. Yeah, that was like um, the new marathoning, the new racing experience is like my first, um, you know, uh, opportunity and realization of like, if we're going to be doing races, this is what they're going to look like for a good amount of time. And who knows, I, I still really am curious to see moving forward how much of what we see right now with some of the races that are taking place will carry over. Will we always have now smaller corral starts or wave starts? Will we always have masks at the start of a race where you just, everyone that's, you wear a mask in your corral and that's just how it is because everyone's close together when we do start having, you know, more people in a corral, but what, what's going to follow through? Are we not going to have big packet pickup anymore? Because maybe we don't need that. Like maybe it's easy to have an efficient packet pickup, you know, a drive through packet pickup or packet pickup race morning or, you know, some other way, or maybe, um, you know, there's so many things. Do we need expos? Like, I think they'll come back because that's a big source of income for races, but those expos are indoors and, and they're large. So, you know, what's going to carry forward, but yeah, the not sob race, which was, um, I needed that more than I realized I needed that. Like, I didn't realize until I went up there and did it, how much I needed that. Um, I was just more, you know, you had told me about it and I thought, well, couple of our runners are running it. I need to change the scenery. Like I didn't want, we, we didn't talk about, but um, was that Boston got switched to virtual. And that was a kind of a shock to everybody because we were expecting it would just be canceled. And then when they says virtual, then it was like, well, how do we do this virtual thing? Do we, you know, I waffled forever of like, do I just go run loops through my neighborhood? Like my normal loops? Do I go run with a, you know, our local running club who had set up a very carefully socially distanced course? Like, do I do that? Do I go take a trip to the beach and run my favorite course at the beach and just do it myself? What do I do? And then when you had told me about this, I thought, well, you know what, this gives me an opportunity to get a change of scenery. It's timed. It's on it. Somebody tells me what time to be there, what course to run. I don't have to make these decisions for myself. And I can see our runners, you know, I can, I can support our runners. So, um, so that's how I went into it. But when I left, I realized how much I really needed that after a really, really tough year and not, not having a lot of joy and a lot of, um, you know, a reminder of, of the joy that running brought. So that was, but that was my first exposure to what, what races may look like. So, um, you know, the packet was delivered to our hotels, um, and when I checked into the hotel where everyone was masked and, you know, hotel was taking lots of COVID safety protocols seriously, uh, my packet was handed to me in a box, in a sealed box. Um, 
I got my sushi that you found for me at the sushi restaurant and brought it back to the hotel and ate outside in the back at the pool with our runner Jane and, you know, got to sit outside with her. And so it wasn't the typical race experience of going with a bunch of people and going out to dinner the night before and, you know, going to the expo and getting your packet at the expo. And um, it, it didn't have that, which is such a big part of the race experience, but it's not, it's not, um, you know, it didn't ruin it to not, to not have, it was just different. You need to go with different expectations. And then the race itself, much smaller, you know, we were only like 25 of us, I think, or 27 of us and people wearing masks at the start and asked to socially distance and afterwards, no, you know, no food afterwards. It was just such a different experience. And I really do think, um, and like you said, we started encouraging our runners to look at some races and we've had a number of our runners now do races this year that were just like that. So it's really interesting to look at, you know, every time we go to do race prep for our runners, how different it is from when we used to do race prep and we'd talk about, um, you know, packet pickup or going to the expo or where to eat dinner the night before or, um, or uh, you know, just, just the start procedures, the procedures for the race, the few, the, the aid stations on the course, like that's another, so everything has changed so much. And I do think that for the foreseeable future, like you said, like we started talking about Boston's announcement about the fall, um, you know, not knowing Boston announced today that not to basically rely on it being in September, that we've got, we've got a surge in cases. We don't know what things are going to look like. And, and frankly, races have to have a big lead time to be able to start registration and making arrangements. Like, you know, typically Boston, a race like Boston or New York or Chicago, they, they take a whole year to plan the logistics. And I don't think any of those races can start doing that yet without knowing what it's going to look like in June, July, August. So realistically speaking, I think that the races that are going to happen are going to look like the not sob race or some of these other races that we've seen um, our runners do where there are a lot of changes. And we talked to Ken Racine about this on our podcast earlier this season. And I think he's got his such a good finger on the pulse of how are we going to make this, how are we going to keep racing and how are we going to make it happen? And how are these race organizations, these companies going to stay in business? And it's, we've got to, not to use the word pivot, but we've got to um, change our expectations and figure out. And I, I think that goes for so many things. You know, so many of us have been disappointed about um, the loss of traditions, especially around the holidays, not getting to see family, not getting to spend time with family. And I think what it's taken is kind of a shift in perspective of like, okay, so we can't do what we normally would do, whether that's a race and an expo and all the stuff that goes with it, or a family gathering, a big family gathering for the holidays. But what can we do? Like, how can we do this where we can get some joy out of it and um, get the most important um, benefits out of it? Like, is it you know, for racing, is it to be able to cross that finish line and have an official time? Well, there's a way to do that without all the other stuff for spending time with family. Like you want to spend time with family. Well, there's a way to do that without having to be all inside for a big meal. Like there's a way to do that. So I think it's all about a shift in perspective of like how we do things and how we, you know, maybe setting aside expectations and traditions for what is it that we really want out of this and what, how can we um, compromise? Like, what can we do? How can we make this work? And I think that's going to, that doesn't just apply to races, but that applies to a lot of things. And I, and I do think that, you know, so for so long, we thought, okay, 2021 races will be back. We'll be back in Boston in 2021. We'll be back. Races will be back in 2021, but I don't think that they can be back um, 
to normal or especially the big races, because again, it just takes a lot of time to plan them. And I don't think any race director right now is ready to say, okay, let's open registration and get the ball rolling for a race because we don't know what it's going to look like. So I think it's just a shift in perspective and expectations. Well said. And and to your point, I think that if our assumption is correct, that there will not be a Boston 2021 fall, then many people out there are probably wondering, well, what about my time? What about my qualifying time? And and if the next Boston, official Boston is, God willing, you know, the soonest would be April of 2022, how can I... Uh, uh, make sure that I'm qualified for it or try. And what's tricky, Lisa, is that, you know, we just found out today what we suspected, which is that Boston likely will not happen uh, in fall of 2021. And while they didn't announce that, it's just clear from all of the signs that it would be nearly impossible to create the Boston that we know as soon as fall 21, 2021, based on all the, the things you just mentioned. But that doesn't mean, based on what we're finding in these small communities, that runners can't run BQs. So I feel like for those that are itching to either get a BQ or maintain their BQ that they already earned and deserve to run, but are afraid that for whatever reason, they won't be able to run Boston based on a previous BQ because of all of the crazy variables, including what year BQ and what cushion will we need. Control the controllables. Let's find a race, find a safe race that uh, you can train for. Rely on your coaches, your friends, your community to figure out what that looks like for you. Obviously, if you're not comfortable doing a live race, no pressure. But if you feel that there is a live race that you can get to, that you feel comfortable running, train for it. It gives you a goal. It gives you a purpose. And if you're someone who has been chasing that unicorn for quite some time and you feel like there might be a chance you won't get to run Boston and you want to make sure you do and you want a goal right now during these crazy times, go for it. And we've really found some some great little races out there that our runners have been able to run. In addition to the Knotsop, Lisa, that you mentioned, um, we have a runner who um, we mentioned before who ran a race in Nevada. It was Pete, and he ran an incredible PR. Um, he went out there, and I think personally, in addition to his training and having a really great training cycle, what contributed to his PR is that he was just really grateful to run. And back to your point about BD and seeing her joy, while I, of course, did not personally see Pete run out in Nevada, I could feel that he had a tremendous amount of joy and being able to get to that race and run it and run an incredible uh, time as a result. And um, I, I do believe that that is often the key to successful racing during these times where we feel like everything is out of control is focusing on gratitude and focusing on the process. So if I feel like you and I have done the best we can to find goals for our runners, whether those goals are live races, virtual races, or simply personal accomplishments, like furthering a time trial, making sure that, you know, we have one runner who 
just wants to get back into the shape he was in 2014. He doesn't necessarily want to run a race, but he wants to prove to himself that he can run the times he ran in 2014. And he is slowly but surely chipping away. And I have to wonder, but for COVID, would he be able to take the time to do that? Um, maybe because he's not commuting as much, maybe his life is a little bit slower as a result, he's able to focus on his own process and achieve that goal. So my ramble here is to point out that, you know, we are like broken records in this podcast. We've talked about this so much on how we only know what we don't know. But what we do know is that running is not canceled, that goals can still be achieved. And I think it's really important, especially during these times when we're just seeing so much unhappiness and so much uncertainty around us and so many questions that we use the next year to really focus on ourselves and not allow the goals that we put on the back burner uh be thrown away just because of the year we're having. It doesn't mean we can't focus on ourselves, our own health and our own accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. I would just add two things. First of all, you know, for those people who have been aiming for a BQ or now are kind of waffling as to what do they do with Boston possibly canceled this year again and what's going to happen. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like if you go out there and you get a Boston qualifying time, you have a Boston qualifying time. Like you can go get a shirt even that says Boston qualifier. Like there are shirts that say that, like you, you, you did that. Nobody can take away that achievement. Now, will you make the cut when it comes time to register? Who knows? We, we, like you said, we, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what the field size is going to be. We don't know what it's going to mean for, um, for cushion, for qualifying. We don't know, you know, what the cutoff's going to be. So many of our runners that were supposed to run Boston 2020 qualified in late 2018 or 2019. So those times are older now. So do we know? So I, I, again, just to kind of, you know, go back to what you were saying is if that's something you want to do and you feel like you want to go for that goal, don't worry about the what ifs of like, well, you know, should I do it? If what if Boston doesn't happen next year? What if they change the time? Like go get that. That's a goal. That's a, it's a perfectly legitimate goal. And if, if that's what you can achieve, then, then you got a Boston qualifying time, whether or not you end up getting into Boston this year or for the next time it's run, that's, that's, you know, a separate issue. So that's one thing. And then the other thing too, is that um, so many of our runners we've seen um, have goals that aren't even related to time. So it just may be like, I just want to get back to feeling good and being able to get out and run three times a week because, you know, that's my escape or, um, you know, I want to, I don't want to have any injuries this year. So we have a lot of runners who are like, I just want to run injury free and I want to feel good. And they may have in the past tried to do too many things at once. And now they're in a position where they can focus on just one thing and also doing the right things to support their running. So that's another goal. So they don't have to be, um, qualifying or PRing or improving your mile time trial. It doesn't have to be that. It can just also be like, I just want to run and feel good. And I want to be able to do this for many years to come. And, and those are great goals too. So I think that, um, you know, whatever your goals are, and I think people too can, we always like to talk to people about their goals. So sometimes runners come to us and they're just like, well, I don't know, but I have time. I want to run. I don't know what races are going to happen. So I don't know, should I make a you know goal race? Should I? And it's good to talk to people about like, why, well, what, what makes you happy about running? Like, what do you enjoy about running? well, I just enjoy getting out there. And then, well, then, then, then that doesn't mean then you don't need a race at the end, you know, or I do, I enjoy seeing my times improve. Okay. Well then maybe we 
do some time trials. I mean, so it's like, what, what about running? It's a good time now, you know, you know, we're, it's very cliche to have like new year's resolutions, but right now is a really good time to think about like, what do I want to do in this coming year? Because we don't know what, what running, what running or racing is going to look like, but what's important to you disregarding of ex external things, like, you know, what races are going to happen or if Boston's going to happen in September, like take that off the table and think about like, what, what makes you happy about running? Is it times? Is it improving your times? Great. Then let's find a way to, to, to measure that and to get that done even without races. Is it just being able to get out there and get in some higher mileage without getting injured? Okay. Let's figure out how to do that. So I think it's, it's a good time now to, to sit back and think about like, all right, what, what's my bottom line? Like what, what's my goal here? And then figure out how to do that. And maybe your goal isn't anything that's concrete. Maybe your goal is about making sure that you simply run happy. And to that end, this is always, and this is a little bit of a tangent, this is always that time when people get on social media and, and sum up their year. Um, you know, I've run this many miles, I've cycled this many miles, or this is what I've done this year. I've, I had a tough year, but here's what my athletic accomplishments were. This is the year that if, if you got out of bed each day and you were able to work your job, talk to another Shower. human, shower, um, do something physical for your body, whether that's going for a walk, running, strength training, whatever that looks like, uh, nourishing your body aside from junk food or trying to each day a little bit. I think you, you are a big winner. Um, the, the, the year of here are all the things I've accomplished in this pandemic. I mean, those who have thrived more power to you. I think that's quite a feat. But I think for many of us, just being able to get through this year and maintain some semblance of a routine is a huge accomplishment. So we're not here to preach goals. We're here to preach, uh, we're, we're not even here to preach, but we're here to say that goals are important because that's self-care. But if a goal is going to stress you out as it's related to running, then maybe now is the time not to set any goals. And the goal can simply be to physically move your body. That's a step in the right direction. So if you're someone who you are typically a runner, but you've had a really tough time this year and, and maintaining that, that doesn't take away that you're a runner. You just have taken a break from running. And if your goal is to get back to where you were, maybe that's a little ambitious. So maybe the goal should start at my goal is to run three times a week, or my goal is to move my body every day in some way. If I feel like running, I'll run. If I want to strength train, I'll strength train. If I want to cycle, I'll cycle. And just baby steps. And I think the worst thing one can do, especially during these times, is to set these auspicious goals and then beat yourself up when you aren't able to take the steps to achieve the goal. So we could do a whole podcast on goal setting, but uh, we're here to say that anyone out there, there is no judgment. None of us have ever lived through a pandemic before. There is no manual on this. Nobody's parented through a pandemic, worked through a pandemic, exercised, run, in our case, coached through a pandemic. There is no manual. So when you set your goals for this year, if you choose to set goals, make them as realistic as possible. Have those A goals, B goals, C goals, whatever, however you want to label them, but make sure that they are productive goals that won't cause you to beat up on yourself because that is not what this is about. 
And uh, I know for me, Lisa, and I know for you, running has continued to provide me great comfort during this uh, entire year. And there were weeks where I wasn't running much at all. Uh, There were a few, like a good month where I barely ran. I just wasn't feeling well. And I did a lot more walking. And then all of a sudden, I felt so much better. And looking back, I think my body was absorbing stress. And I didn't realize that the stress was manifesting physically at the time. But looking back, I think that's exactly what was happening. Um, so it's it's just something that I think we all have to listen to our bodies, especially during these times, and continue to because this is not over. It's just a new year. And honor what our bodies are trying to tell us. So when we set those goals, they need to be flexible enough to, to be able to continue to listen and make sure that we are being kind to ourselves and talking to ourselves the way we would talk to others in an encouraging, kind, and uh, comforting way. And once, you know, once this stuff is over, then, you know, sure, go, go back to your crazy <laughs> goals, whatever those were before pandemic. But I, I very much believe for mental health this year, it's very important that your goals are reasonable and, and support you and lift you up. Well, and I'm going to go back to what I started with is that I hope we carry some of this forward into the in, into the post-pandemic life. And I hope some of what, you know, we've done and adapted and how we pivoted, I hope that we carry some of that. Like, I know that I will definitely carry some of that, the just time I've spent more with the kids and the, the you know, appreciating that and trying to make some more downtime and um, being kinder to myself in terms like just what you were saying, just like in listening to my body and um, being kinder in terms of, um, expectations and, and, um, taking breaks from those expectations. I think that's all worth carrying forward. It's good. It's a good, uh, some good lessons. For sure. Um, you know, I think for me, I found this year, the one thing I've learned about myself and I've always known this about myself, but I'm, I'm seeing it magnified when I'm, when I get really down, what lifts me up personally is having the power to help someone else. So whether that's, you know, through coaching, which I'm so grateful for, I know you are too. I, I could talk about this for an hour. I am so grateful to our clients who stuck with us this year and grateful for all the people who asked us to coach them because it gives us purpose and a passion during a time where that's hard to find. But I also have found for me, it's been really helpful when I've been really down to be able to look outside of myself and kind of identify where I could be helpful to someone else. So um, that's been sort of my why, but that's something I hope to remember and carry with me out beyond this time because it's productive for me and it allows me to not get too stuck on what's going on with with me and my immediate surroundings and rather looking at the big picture. So um, I don't know, you know, if someone wanted to psychoanalyze this, they, they certainly can. But at least for me, I, I definitely feel that when I'm empowered to help others, it helps me deal with whatever I feel at that moment is not solvable. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I would definitely emphasize your point that for me personally, um, our runners, I mean, kind of the community, right? My community, our community in general has been um, so important this year 
uh, for on many levels, but our runners um, have like touched and changed my life in ways that you may not expect, like, or look, you know, if you're looking externally and you think, okay, it's a coach and you're coaching runners and like, okay, what is that? But I feel like we've developed so many um, friendships. Uh, I've been so inspired by some of our run, all of our runners and in, in different ways, all of our runners have like touched my life. And um, I look forward to every day, the conversations we have on final surge and um, communicating with our runners and seeing their runs come in. And um, that has really like more than I expected and maybe more than in the past because we've had more time to really focus on it. But um, that has really, and maybe we've needed it more. That That's probably part of it is that I've needed that more. And like you said before, like, you know, we, this social distance, like I'm, I'm craving not social distance, I'm craving social, I'm craving social closeness. And so having those connections, like I just, um, looking back at the year and every single one of the runners that we coach has, you know, I, I, um, feel like they've enriched my life this year and I know you feel the same. And so I feel so lucky that we get to do this. Like we're so fortunate that this is, you know, the saying is that if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And like to be able to do this is just so fortunate for um, for both of us and to have each other in this crazy adventure too. So I think that that um, for me this year has really meant a lot. And like I said, maybe it's because I needed it more this year. Maybe it's because I had more time to actually like reflect on it. But those relationships that we've had a chance to build. And like I said before, even runners, from years ago that, you know, like Jackie getting to email with her today, but there's so many that um, looking back at all the runners that we've coached, so many people that we've formed relationships with. And at the end of the day, that's, that's what's, that's what makes this so amazing. That's why we do it. I mean, yeah. we, we do this. We, we of course do this because like our name, we want to help people run farther and faster, but we do this because like Dave McGillivray, we love to help raise people's self-esteem. And what an honor to have the opportunity to work with runners during a time when everything's so negative. We get to work with runners on something positive that they're doing for themselves. They take that positive energy and then they're influencing their families and their social circles around them. So, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's very empowering to know that we have a chance to be a part of their lives. And it's, it's a huge honor. So I have a dream in my head too. I have this like, like, you know, ideal utopia in my head that when this is all over, we're going to get all our runners together and like have a big party. And like, I want to, I keep saying like, I would love to go run with our runners or see our runners, even the ones that run, live, live and run far away. Like I want to like, all have a big run farther and faster summit somewhere where we all meet up and we get to like hang out and run together because um, I don't know, that's, I always think about that. And when I'm, you know, talking to a lot of our runners, I'm always like, I hope in 2021, I get to see you, you know, the ones that even live far away. Like, I hope we get to see each other in Boston, or I hope that we get to, you know, go to a race together and see each other or somehow connect like, like, you know, again, going all the way back to the beginning of the year when I got to see Michal in Israel last year, like that opportunity to connect in person. Um, it's been great to connect virtually all year. And that's been so important to us. And I think we've done a really good job too, with our 
um, programs, switching them to virtual and doing weekly Zoom calls where we have our runners and experts. And I, that's, I look forward to those calls. It's, it's a nice way to, to connect even when we can't connect in person and we can't have our group runs and we can't have our meetups in Boston and that sort of thing. But, um, but I, I really look forward to the time when we can, we can all run together. And not to, I don't want to fail to mention not just the runners we coach, but all of the listeners, the loyal listeners of this podcast that, you know, every week, I can't believe people listen to our, our babble. And, you know, this, this episode, of course, is it's just us and we're just chatting. And by now, maybe some of our less loyal listeners have already turned Turn, us off. Turned but us thanks, off. <laughs> thanks to those who are sticking with us. But in all honesty, honestly, I feel like we accidentally formed a separate podcast community, many of which are also include the runners we coach and getting emails from listeners throughout the pandemic with words like, I listened to your podcast and it's really helped me because I can't run with other people. So I feel like I get to run with friends when I'm running with you. That is exactly why we do this. I mean, we get to talk to each other, but yeah, we want to lift up our listeners. We want to share information, of course, but we, we want everyone out there to know, like, you're not alone. This is, this is, this stuff is how everyone's feeling. And we're, we're really honored that you have taken a, a piece of us <laughs> with you on your run. So um, I think this is also a good time before we um, continue with the year and then eventually wrap this up. We did a contest this week um, where we um, asked runners to thank uh, somebody who's helped them through the year. And we posted the contest on our platforms on Facebook and Instagram. We received a ton of beautiful responses where so many runners um, responded thanking um, either a teacher, a running partner, a coach, a friend, a parent, a brother, sister. They just thanked people for um, helping them out. So then we took a uh, we took the names and um, we mixed them up and we added another another entry for those who also shared the contest. And the name that we picked today is Laura Runs Crazy. She uh, thanked MN Running Mom and KHEP14 for always being down for a run. So Laura Runs Crazy, um, we will get your information. Uh, it looks like you live in Minneapolis. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, we will be sending Laura a Lululemon gift card. So uh, we are going to wrap this up. We kind of didn't get through the whole year. We only got to the fall. But really... Uh, well, this has been the same. Yes. Wash, rinse, rinse, wash, repeat, whatever. whatever the- wait, don't forget empty the... Wait, you said wash, rinse, repeat, wash, empty the dishwasher. Right. <laughs> rinse, repeat. I feel like that's all I do is... Go to the grocery store. And- Yes. I still do Instacart. Restock the fridge. Restock the fridge. Restock the fridge. (laughs) Truth. Yeah. 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 But we've got a whole year ahead of us. So um, I'm hoping that when we sit down and do this in 2021, we have a lot of, um, you know, we've had a lot of good memories and happy things to talk about this year, but I hope that next year we can um, do it in person and that we'll have an opportunity to connect with people in person again. For sure. So we will be back in 2021 with um, more guests. We've got a couple of great guests coming up and more conversation. And uh, 
anyone out there, if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing our podcast and reviewing it, we would so appreciate it. We currently have 150 reviews. We would love a few more. Uh, so yeah, that would be wonderful if you could review us on Apple Podcasts. But we want to wish everyone a happy new year. And Lisa, I wish you a happy new year. Again, I'm so proud of you. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing this year we call 2020 with me. It's been an honor to watch you go through it. And I'm so glad to be a part of your journey. And I'm grateful that you're part of mine. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. I don't think I could have gotten through this year with anyone else. This, is, this has been one of those years. So thank oh. you for, for being there virtually and, and in person. Likewise. Thank you, Lisa. Love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye, everyone. Hey, listeners. Are you enjoying our podcasts and coaching advice? Do you feel like some guidance and accountability could help you stay motivated and focused during these uncertain pandemic times? We love connecting with our listeners and collaborating to make training work for your goals, your life, your personality. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, we want to offer any new clients $20 off the first month of coaching, which is normally $150. Email us at julieandlisa at runfartherandfaster.com to set up a time to connect over the phone to learn more. And be sure to mention this special offer as one of our loyal listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.